Welcome back to another week of Meredith with Why. I am your host, Meredith Willits. And if you didn't listen to last week's podcast, I suggest you to just stop what you're doing and go back to last week's because you might be lost if you're just getting into today's. I'm going to continue my discussion on attachment issues and attachment theory and attachment disorder. And so stay with me. Hello, everyone. This is Meredith with a Y, and I am your host, Meredith Willits. Today, we are going to go deep, changing lives, and I am giving you the keys to the castle. Okay, so I'm referencing a book in this podcast series that has profoundly changed my life. It has profoundly changed my life in every single thing that I do. And so the name of the book is Adult Children of Emotionally Immature Parents, How to Heal from Distant, Rejecting, and Self-Involved Parents. And I wish I would have read this book, I don't know, 50 years ago, because it has changed everything about my body, my brain, my relationships, and the way that I do everything. And so today I'm going to get into defining what emotional maturity means in a very succinct way. And so emotional maturity means a person is capable of thinking objectively and conceptually while sustaining deep emotional connection to others. People who are emotionally mature can function independently while also having deep emotional attachments, smoothly incorporating both into their daily life. They are direct about pursuing what they want, yet do so without exploiting other people. They've differentiated from their original family relationship sufficiently to build a life of their own. They have a well-developed sense of self and identity and treasure their closest relationships. Their people are comfortable and honest about their own feelings and get along well with other people thanks to their well-developed empathy, impulse control, and emotional intelligence. They're interested in other people's inner lives and enjoy opening up and sharing with others in an emotionally intimate way. So what does all that mean? They're not screwed up. They aren't in a constant need to people please or enmesh themselves with other people or be codependent. They aren't such disasters because they haven't worked through their own shit that they're capable of dealing with other people's big emotions. They don't run from disaster. They don't run from their family or friends when they're sick. They don't need to shut down everyone around them because they're incapable of dealing with other people's feelings. They don't try to manipulate. They don't try to squash. When their kid has a big win, they don't try to say, well, let's see what you got next time. Or don't dream too big because you don't want to get your feelings hurt. They don't try to modify the people around them to make themselves comfortable. Ding, ding, ding. This is huge. This is a huge thing. Think about it in the sense of politics or school or religion. You have to be like me. You have to think the way that I think or I'm going to be uncomfortable or I'm going to have a tantrum or I'm going to walk out on you. Think about the ramifications if we were all emotionally mature. 
So let's get into a few characteristics of what an emotionally immature person looks like. Because it sounds like, you know, they've got issues, but in reality, there are many, many, many successful emotionally immature people. Some of them have been presidents. Some of them are famous actors and actresses. And I'm going to go so far as to say the majority of the people in your life, successful and not, are most likely emotionally immature. They just are. You can be highly successful and have a tantrum. You can be highly successful, ridiculously wealthy, and still have zero capacity to interact with your family. Finding connection and buying them something or taking them somewhere but being absolutely void of emotional intimacy. Emotionally immature people tend to have quite a different set of behavioral, emotional, and mental characteristics. For example, they are rigid and single-minded. When it comes to relationships or emotional decisions, their immaturity becomes evident. They are either rigid or impulsive and try to cope with reality by narrowing it down to something manageable. Once they form an opinion, their minds are closed. Emotionally rigid people, single-minded people, we see this every single day. Everything is either black or white. I made a video about this the other day. And it was like, you can't handle anything that is gray because we then have to impart emotion into the behaviors, into the situation. So if you're emotionally rigid and single-minded, you see legal cases as black or white. You're either guilty or you're not guilty, period, end of story. There is no emotion that we are going to impart on this situation that is going to make it a little bit gray. And why? Because I can't deal with emotion. I can only deal in facts. And once I have attached myself to that outcome, that fact, that is where I need to sit for my comfort. Illegal aliens are guilty criminals, period, end of story. There's no beige there. It is black or white. Why? Because if we impart emotion into it, I am now uncomfortable because I cannot deal with emotion. Emotionally immature people have low stress tolerance. Show me someone that's not dealing with their own emotions, and I'm going to show you a cat on a hot tin roof. I'm going to show you someone that their nervous system is so dysregulated that any sort of conflict or strife or tears or sickness or anything is going to completely and utterly short circuit them. They have no room for it. They do not deal with stress. Their responses are reactive and stereotyped. Instead of assessing the situation and anticipating the future, they use coping mechanisms that deny, distort, or replace reality. They have trouble admitting mistakes and instead discount the facts and blame others. Regulating emotions is difficult for them and they often overreact. They deny, distort, or replace reality and blame others. Tell me you don't know someone who lives their entire life by way of the outside world where they can take no accountability for themselves. 
And I'm going to tell you, I have people that I love very much that do this. They cannot handle being wrong. They cannot take the blame. They cannot say, I'm sorry. They cannot own anything because that would mean that they aren't perfect. That would mean that they are fluctuating on the wrong side of the pendulum. They are either in the gray space or they're wrong. And none of that is acceptable. None of that is acceptable. They have to be perfect. They have to be right. And if they are not, they're uncomfortable. They can't tolerate it. There's no room for that. And if you call their shit out on that, you're the problem. You're the one with the issue. These people do not say that they're sorry. They do not come to you and they're not able for to sit down with you and say, hey, as a parent, as a friend, as a child, as a spouse, you, you messed up. You did shit that hurt me. Unacceptable. Not going to sit there for that. And this is why we see so many kids, you know, adult children that are trying so hard to have these conversations with their parents of, look, this was really unacceptable during my childhood. And their boomer parents are shutting them down and saying, I'm not discussing this. You're wrong. You remember it wrong. And then you see the the the, the child the adult child cutting off relationships with their parents because their parent cannot live in reality. They are not willing to accept any flaws on their behalf because their, their, their nervous system short circuits, their brain explodes. They can't deal with it. They cannot be wrong. Emotionally immature people from the book, they do what feels best. As we mature, we learn that what feels good isn't always the best thing to do. Among emotionally immature people, however, the childhood instinct to do what feels good never really changes. They make decisions on the basis of what feels best in the moment and often follow the path of least resistance. If you're a mature person and think before you act, you might find it hard to imagine living by what feels good in the moment. That's hard to imagine when you're an internalizer, when you're a person who's always working to do their best and live in truth and do what's right for not only themselves, but the world around them. It's hard to imagine that someone would be so self-serving, doing what feels good regardless of what's going on around them. They are subjective and not objective. Emotionally immature people assess situations in a subjective way. They don't do much dispassionate analysis. When they interpret situations, how they are feeling is more important than what is actually happening. And you see this blatantly when you see behavior or comments that are inappropriate to the situation at hand. When a kid comes in crying from a physical or emotional situation and the parent completely changes the subject or distracts, that is not in line with what is going on in front of them. That's not in line for what their child needs in that moment. But because they're incapable of ass assessing a situation and looking at the whole picture, they can only focus on how they are feeling and what they are feeling is the most important thing at all times. They have little respect for differences. Emotionally immature people are annoyed by other people's differing thoughts and opinions. 
believing everyone should th see things their way. The idea that other people are entitled to their own point of view is beyond them. This goes to so much that we are dealing with in our society right now. I can't even, I, I could do 20 podcasts on this. 20 podcasts on just the idea that it has to be my way or you are unacceptable. Let's talk about LGBTQ. Let's talk about people who are in jobs that make less money. Let's talk about political views, religious views, lifestyle choices, having no children, deciding to not get married. Our entire society runs on the concept that if you don't live your life the way I think that you should, because of my programming, I am uncomfortable with you around me. I am incapable of being and having enough empathy for you and your situation and your desires and your hopes and dreams and what you want for your life, that your pure and mere existence makes me uncomfortable. That's that's immature. That's immature emotional. That's someone that has to have everybody around them existing in a role so that their ego is not disrupted. This goes down to the family. We've got the bad seed, the black sheep. We've got the good kid. We've got the smart kid. We've got the athletic kid. And then that football player who's, who's scoring touchdowns every week comes home and tells his family, I don't want to play football anymore. And the emotionally immature parent flips out. The daughter comes home and says she's a lesbian. The emotionally immature parent flips out. You don't exist in the role that I need you to. And so now I'm uncomfortable. So now I have to fix you and make you not that way. Emotionally immature people need the world around them to exist in a way that that just it lives inside of their boxes. Other people's individuality to avoid being offensive, these people are only comfortable in role-defined relationship where everyone holds the same beliefs. The quieter, nicer ones are the same. You can be an emotionally immature person and not be the loudest voice in the room. You might be the mother who is always sick. You might be the, the father who, who lets his kids believe that the wife is a nag. And that the world is against him. If you are emotionally immature, you can be quiet and still be profoundly manipulative. Still be profoundly emotionally immature. You don't have to be the boom in the room. Emotionally immature people are egocentric. Normal children are egocentric as youngsters, but the self-involvement of emotionally immature adults is more childish than childlike. Unlike children, their egocentrism lacks joy and no openness. Emotionally immature people are self-preoccupied in an obsessed way, not with the innocence of a child. Young children are self-centered because they're still commanded by pure instinct, but emotionally immature adults are commanded by anxiety and, security, and insecurity, like wounded people who must keep checking their intactness. They're constantly in a state of insecurity, fearing that they'll be exposed as bad, inadequate, or unlovable. So this is the thing. What we need to recognize is these people are acting out of a space of fear. 
They're acting out of a space of, I need to keep you away from me. I need to keep these emotions at at bay. I need to stay in a world of black and white because everything else is too much. Anything else will kill me. I cannot ebb and flow and allow and surrender to this world around me because the box that I live in is supported by the relationships and my worldviews and ego. That is how I survive. That is how they survive. Because anything anything outside of that is unsafe. They are self-preoccupied and self-involved. Anxious self-preoccupation is a quality of all emotionally immature people. They're constantly monitoring whether their needs are being met or whether something has offended them. That's so huge. Think how many problems in society today would literally dis-a-freaking-peer in a second if we could just remove offense. I saw a video the other day, and I know what I'm about to say is profoundly triggering and very debatable, but I thought it was interesting to look at. And I want to start this sentence that I'm about to say under the, the premise and knowing that I am... willing, able, capable, and open to pronouns and the transgender community. But I, I watched this video the other day, and it was talking about how when a person is going through their transgender cycle, if you will, transitioning, and then they decide to then adopt the pronouns to align with their transform, stepping into their true selves. And it becomes imperative that the people around them call them by the the name that they have chosen or the pronouns that align with their sensibilities, that their happiness, their emotional state of being is very, can be very in line with needing the world around them to call them by the right name, which is just out of respect, and also the right pronoun, which can be screwed up easily. But is if it's announced, then I feel that the people around them should call them that. So I just want to put that out there first and foremost. But I also find it fascinating that there that anyone is going to put that much weight into the world around them. And I think this is really kind of important because the transgender LGBTQ plus queer community has a, a struggle with this because there are so many people out there that really are require the world around them to live in a very, you are either male or female. I am not going to play your reindeer games. I'm going to call you what you are. You're not a man. You're not a woman, blah, 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 blah. They just, the trolls, they enjoy this. They enjoy this conversation. They enjoy triggering people. And so I would beg anyone who is going through this and suffering with the world around them that the folks that can only live in a black and white life, these emotionally immature people who cannot put their self in someone else's shoes and have empathy for someone who is struggling with their gender, you can't be offended by these people. Don't do it. Don't be offended by someone who doesn't know you. And I have to deal with the same thing. We all do have to deal with the fact that the world cannot see us. So often the world cannot see us. 
each and every group of people on this planet feels unseen. White men feel unseen. Black men feel unseen. Black women, people of color feel unseen, feel misunderstood because the world around them are emotionally immature and can't empathize. They have no ability. And we place all of our value on these people and their opinions and society's opinions of each and every one of us. And we're barking up the wrong tree. We have to go back to inside. We have to go internal. Emotionally immature people are highly referential, meaning that in any interaction, all roads lead back to them. However, they're not self-reflective. Their focus on themselves isn't about gaining insight or self-understanding. It's about being the center of attention. Tell me you don't know 3,000 people like this. And this does not mean someone that's an extrovert. An extrovert is capable of reading the room. An extrovert is going along with or leading or having a good time, but still is capable to see outside of themselves and how that they are affecting the room or the family or whatever it is. Emotionally immature people have no ability to reflect. They have no ability to read the room and say, hey, you know, where where am I at on this planet? They lack self-reflection. Emotionally immature people don't consider their role in the problem. You know people like this. Maybe you're you're one of them. I doubt it if you're listening to this. You are most likely profoundly self-reflective. If you're interested in this topic at all, you are not not self-reflective. You are in it. You're trying That doesn't mean you don't have attachment issues. That doesn't mean that you don't have a mood disorder. That doesn't mean that you don't have an attachment disorder. It just means that you're now figuring out, hey, I want more from my life. People that are emotionally immature, profoundly emotionally immature, and most likely they're not, they're not here. They're not on, they're not on this podcast. Emotionally immature people like to be the center of attention. They usually end up being the center of attention. In groups, the most emotionally immature person often dominates the group's time and energy. If other people allow it, all the group's attention will go to that person. And once this happens, it's hard to redirect the group's focus. You may wonder whether these people are just being extroverted, as I just said. They aren't. They can't change the topic off of themselves. They can't read the room. These people promote role reversal. It's a hallmark of emotionally immature parenting. The parent relates to the child as if the child were the parent, expecting attentiveness and comfort from the child. These parents may reverse roles and expect their children to be their confidant, even for adult matters. Parents who discuss their marriage problems with their children are example of a kind of reversal. Other times, parents might expect their children to praise them, to be happy for them, just as a child might expect from a parent. You know people like this. You know people where the, re- the role has been reversed, where the, pa- the child is always showing up for the parent, either by proxy their, their accomplishments or their beauty, their support, their love, their doting. They have a low empathy and are emotionally insensitive. 
Impaired empathy is a central characteristic of emotionally immature people, as is avoidance of emotional sharing and intimacy. Being out of touch with their own deeper feelings, they're strikingly blind to how they make other people feel. This, to me, is so key and is such a hallmark of emotionally immature people. You'll hear stuff like, oh, you're too sensitive. Oh, I just, I just have no filter. I just have to say what I think. And, and that's just too bad who it hurts. That's emotionally immature. That's a problem. And this does not mean that they can't read someone else. This just means they don't care. It's their way or the highway. Empathy is a bedrock component of emotional intelligence, which is essential to social and occupational success. Sociopaths, they can read the room. They can be empathic. They just don't care. They don't use their understanding of people to foster emotional intimacy. Instead, their empathy operates and it instinctual or superficially sentimental level. You may feel sized up, but not felt for. Lack of resonant empathy suggests a lack of self-development. For parents to accurately imagine what their child, their child's or children are feeling, they need to have enough self-development to be aware of their own emotions. If they haven't developed their own emotional self-awareness, they can't resonate with how others, including their own children, might feel inside. That's the thing, guys. You have to be healed before you can do this. Your parents have to be healed before they can do this with you. And you can, you know, lead a horse to water, but you can't make them drink. I could send this book to every one of your parents and say, read this. This will change your life. And I pro promise you 95% of them will not read it. They won't. They think they have the answers. Why are there so many emotionally immature parents from the book? What could have caused so much emotional underdevelopment in so many parents? Based on the author's observations and clinical experience, it seems like the parents of many of the, her clients were emotionally shut down as children. And this is what we need to understand. These theories, these ways of healing and seeing the world and understanding humanity, although not entirely new, wasn't out there for the general population. If your family grew up outside of a college or even a psychology setting, there's a 99.9% .9 chance that they are not privy to this, this information. I do this work day in and day out. I didn't know about it. And I'm in it. I'm in it. I am in self-help. I am in healing. I didn't know about it. I didn't know about it. This stuff is passed down. Shutting down your children. Being inconsistent. Judging. Pushing away. Being defensive. This shit's passed down from one generation to another. We didn't have words like narcissism, avoidant attachment, codependency, enmeshed. These are new, new words. 
Emotionally immature people fear feelings. As children, many emotionally immature people grew up in homes where they were taught that the spontaneous expression of certain feelings was a shameful shameful breach of, of family custom. They learned that expressing or even experiencing these deeper feelings could bring shame or punishment, resulting in what psychotherapy reach, researcher Lee McGlaw and her colleagues have called effect phobia. That's the thing. We learn from a very early age that either crying or neediness or big emotions are not only unacceptable or not paid attention to, but they could get you in trouble. I will give you something to cry about means whatever emotion you're dealing with right now, I'm going to hit you so that in my eyes, your tears make sense to my brain. What? And this shit's passed down. My parents raised me this way. I turned out okay. No, you didn't. Because you need to use physical violence with a child to get them to do what you want to make you comfortable. It's easy to see how children growing up under these conditions could become fearful of their own emotions. In fact, even positive feelings of joy and excitement can become associated with anxiety. Emotions, period. Emotions of love. Emotions of anger. Emotions of fear. I will never stop thinking about the concept that the majority of women that are murdered or sexually assaulted do so because of the fact that they are afraid to offend the person that's about to attack them. They are going to sit on that couch to their death because having an emotion and running out of the room and being offensive is worse than death or whatever they're about to endure. That is chilling. Tears are offensive to emotionally immature people unless they're being used by themselves to manipulate the people around them. Emotionally immature people focus on the physical instead of the emotional. These parents can do a good job of taking care of their children's physical and material needs. In the world of food, shelter, and education, these parents might be able to provide everything that's needed in terms that are physical, tangible, or activity-related. Many of these parents make sure their children get every advantage they can afford, but when it comes to emotional matters, they can be oblivious to their child's needs. This is the super parent. I am checking the boxes. They have the best clothes. They are taken to all their shit. But then as soon as we go back home, everyone goes to the room, gets on their phone, leave me alone. They can be killjoys. Fear of genuine emotion can cause emotionally immature people to be killjoys. As parents, instead of enjoying their children's excitement and enthusiasm, they may abruptly change the subject or warn them not to get their hopes up. They have an intense but shallow emotions. They are easily overwhelmed by deep emotions, and they display their uneasiness by transmuting it into quick reactivity. Instead of feelings, feeling things deeply, they react superficially. They might may be emotionally excitable and show strong sentimentality, perhaps being easily moved to tears, or they might puff up in anger towards anything they dislike. They don't experience mixed emotions because that would be edging into that gray factor. 
they are one dimensional emotional reaction, singleness, intense. The reactions of emotionally immature people tend to be black and white. They cannot handle emotionally complicated experiences. Think back to your parents when they were dealing with stress. Think back to a friend or a coworker who, when you try to impart any sort of reasoning or emotion, feeling into the situation, they had to leave the room. They had to shut you down. They had to be judgy. Excessive childhood anxiety leads not only to emotional immaturity, but also to oversimplified thinking that cannot hold opposing ideas in mind. Repressive or punitive family environments typically don't encourage free thinking or self-expression and therefore aren't conducive to fully developing one's mind. We see this every day. I went to a, a family event recently and I have gotten my nose pierced on the nostril and have a ring in it. For me, it's it's kind of like a warning sign to anyone coming up to me that I'm probably not going to tolerate your bigotry or your closed-mindedness. That's kind of what my nose ring means to me. Uh, and I love it myself, but it's kind of a warning shot. Like, ah, don't come at me with this shit. But the person in the room that's, you know, waited days to say anything about it, which, okay, good for you. You you did your best. They said, well, I like that one, but don't get the one in your nose, like, in between that comes down because that's disgusting. This is the same person that I've heard judge purple hair and blue hair and tattoos and short skirts and being overweight. They live in a very black and white makes me happy kind of existence. Their safety is in simplicity. Their safety is in the one-mindedness. Too much coming at them they cannot handle. Blue hair, red hair, pink hair, nose rings, tattoos you know, alternative lifestyles, transgender, opposite political views, other religions, intolerable. Can't handle it. Don't need it. Don't want it. Do not shake the ground I stand on. And I have spent decades, decades trying to change them. Decades trying to get them to open their hearts with zero result. How much of a waste of time? How much a waste of energy? How many days and nights have I spent trying to no avail, but being emotionally incapacitated at the end of it? But when you see these things, when you learn about this stuff, when you recognize it in yourself and other people, everything starts to make more sense. And you realize that this is just the way this person is. And I don't have to fix them. I don't need to do anything. They can't get there from here. Emotionally immature people are prone to literal thinking. You may notice how routine and literal their thinking is. They tend to talk about what happened or what they observed, not the world of feelings or ideas. 
For example, from the book, one man found his mother's phone conversations draining and boring because she never talked about anything sub- substantive. Instead, she only asked mundane questions like what he was doing at the moment or what the weather was like. He told me she just reports the facts and never talks about anything other than here's what happened today. I get so frustrated and want to say, can't we talk about something meaningful? But she can't. We know people like this. Show me a person that's emotionally immature and I will show you someone that ought to be a weather reporter on the news. Well, this is what's happening and that's what's happening and this is what my day was and this is what the weather is and blah, 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 blah. Because if I don't talk about this stuff, then you will probably bring up something emotional. You will bring up something in your life. The other thing that people do is that when you do finally decide to bring up something in your life, they either attack it or they turn to anger. I remember, God, how many years ago now? five, six, seven, eight, nine, probably 10, 11 years ago. I told a family member about a situation with my oldest daughter. I was just talking. Big mistake. You cannot talk to emotionally immature people about anything of substance that matters to you. I'm going to warn you of that right now. Because they go into attack mode. I remember when I used to bring this person a problem of mine. And instead of comforting me, they would attack the other person. Full-blown attack. Because they couldn't deal with my emotions and how to support me. They could only go into attack mode, which is physical, which is black and white, which is active. And every time you bring something emotional... The usually the reason that you're doing it is to connect with a person. And emotionally immature people have no desire to connect emotionally. They don't want you out of their life, but they don't want to connect emotionally. And you will spin your wheels time and time and time again, trying to get a connection with someone who is incapable of connection. Another cognitive sign of emotional immaturity is over-intellectualizing and getting obsessed about certain topics. In those areas, emotionally immature people can conceptualize well, indeed, excessively, but they don't apply that ability to self-reflection or being emotionally sensitive towards others. Their preoccupation with ideas distracts them from emotional intimacy. They may discuss their favorite topics at length, but they don't really engage the other person. As a result, they can be as hard to talk to as overly literal thinkers. Although they can think conceptually while communicating their ideas, they're only comfortable if things stay on an impersonal and intellectual level. That's it. How'd you do? How much money you make? How's your job? Are the kids still alive? What are you doing? Facts, 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 facts. Weather, weather, weather. But I'm here to tell you those people have emotions inside of them just like you do. They just don't know how to deal with them. They don't know how to verbalize them. They don't know how to communicate. They don't know how to connect because they were also they were also shown that it's unsafe. They were told that they were going to be given something to cry about from a physical perspective. 
They were going to get their asses beat if they cried. They were going to get killjoyed if they came home too happy because their parents couldn't handle happiness or sadness or anythingness. So they shut it down. They put it away in a box. And they know if they try to open that box of emotions, they don't know what will happen. Because I'm here to tell you, I have spent the last month inside of a cocoon dealing with this shit. I have spent a month in sweats, on the couch, barely able to do anything. Because I have been undoing and unpacking, even though I hate that word, that that term. I have been unpacking shit from my life. I have been unpacking what a shit parent I have been for 26 freaking years because I've been anxiously avoidant to my children. And you might not even recognize it if you saw it. I have been hard-nosed. I have been the drill sergeant. I have raised successful children who are probably very, very hard on themselves. I have been afraid of physical touch. I have been afraid to enter into an emotional relationship with my children because I was afraid that I would get hurt. I have been afraid to express emotion because it has felt unsafe because I am too sensitive. And so what happens when you are told that you're too sensitive as if it's a bad thing? You shut that shit down. You shut it down. You stop. You become perfect. You become emotionally detached. You become really good at being a human doer. Laundry, dishes, food, make the beds, clean the rooms, get her done with no space left for intimacy with your your kids or family or friends. In the last episode, I talk about the friendship breakup that brought all of this to light. And I have to tell you what it really was, was that my brain, my body, my everything couldn't fake it one more minute of being okay. I had been offended in that relationship numerous times, but if I would have brought those true emotions to the person, in my mind, I was being a bad person. I was being mean. I was being cruel if I spoke up. It was impossible for me to bring my true pain to light and to talk about it. So instead, I stuffed it down and stuffed it down and waged a war in my head that this person knew nothing about. They knew nothing about how I had been feeling. And so I just pushed them away a little bit more and a little bit more and created more space and created more distance and created more anger and frustration and resentment. And they had no idea. Because I was too much of a chicken 
And I was too broken to tell them. I was too broken to tell them because emotions and feeling and being uncomfortable and having uncomfortable conversations has never freaking been safe until now. I hope you like this conversation. I hope you're getting something out of it. Sorry, my reading skills are less, <laughs> reading skills out loud uh, are less than perfect, but stay with me. I'm going to be talking about this again next week. I hope it helps. Please send it to anybody. If you haven't left a review yet, wherever you're listening to this, please take two seconds to leave a review. It really helps me um, and get my podcast out there, my ratings and all that good stuff. So hope you got something out of this. Thanks so much. And I will see you here again next week. Thanks for listening. If you would like to connect on a more personal level, head over to MeredithWillits.com or on Instagram at Meredith with a Y for behind the scene footage and outtakes. Please subscribe and come back each week for more Meredith with a Y. Thanks again for listening. Cheers. Cheers.